0: And you might say, well, that's really running himself down. No, he was talking about this story and how the donkey carried Jesus into Jerusalem and really was a part of introducing him to the city. And I'm going to show you that this cult is a great illustration and picture of you and me, the way that God reached him, what God did for him, and the plan that God had for him. It's just like. You and me. So we're all going to walk out here today, going, I'm, "I'm so proud to be God's donkey." Let, let me just put it another way. I'll switch on this in in the message, but you, but you can either be the devil's donkey or God's colt, and I want to be God's colt. So we're going to read out of Mark 11, and, and and this is, I'll admit it to you, Palm Sunday message before Palm Sunday. Because we're going through the whole week that led up to Jesus' crucifixion and resurrection. And so I've got to start with uh, the beginning of the week. So here it is. It says, when they drew near Jerusalem to Bethphage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples. And he said to them, go into the village opposite you, and as soon as you have entered, you will find a colt tied on which no one has sat. I want you to read the next five words with me. Loose it and bring it. Oh, I like that. Now, if anyone says to you, why are you doing this? Say to them, the Lord has need of it. The Lord needs it. And immediately he will send it here. So they found, or went their way and found the colt tied by the door outside on the street. And they loosed it. But some of those who stood there said to them... What do you think you're doing? That's really the thought. What do you think you're doing loosing this colt? Who are you? It's not yours. And they spoke to them just as Jesus had said, the Lord has need of them. So they let them go. Then they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their clothes on it, and he sat on it. And many spread their clothes on the road, and others cut down leafy branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Then those who went before and those who followed cried out, saying, I want you to read this with me. Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the kingdom of our father David that comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Lord, thank you for this incredible story. Lord, I pray that you will change our lives today, renew our minds. Help us to see our place in the plan of the ages, in the plan of redemption. I pray that this message will change us, rearrange us, call us, speak to us, lift us up, pick us up, send us out in Jesus' mighty name, amen. Turn to your neighbor and tell them it's good to be God's donkey, amen. I just hear people, we went out of there, he told us to call each other donkeys, um, Now, as Jesus prepares to enter Jerusalem here, it is an incredible moment. Everything in his life has led up to this point. And as he's about to go in, there are many prophecies being fulfilled as we watch this entry into Jerusalem. There's, in particular, two. One, that the Jew's king would enter Jerusalem. The second one, that he would enter Jerusalem... Riding a donkey. Let me read it to you out of Zechariah 9, verse 9. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king, your king, is coming to you. He is righteous. He carries salvation. He is humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. So that was prophesied centuries before this event. It's one of the amazing confirmations that the Bible is the Word of God because only God can look centuries down the tunnel of time and nail the presence and activity of a donkey, where he's going to be, where he's going to be found, the condition he's found in. Now, in the Bible, a donkey is an animal of peace. If you read the Bible, kings and rulers and warriors would ride into a city On horse drawn chariots and riding great steeds, but not Jesus. Jesus, our Savior, came into the city riding a donkey, a humble animal of peace. Not anything that I would have put the King of Kings on, but God did, and there was a message in it. He did it for a reason. So it's no accident that in Mark's account, chapter 11, the first 11 verses, you can't read it without coming away realizing that. That next to Jesus, the central subject is the donkey. He is highlighted in the story. It really pulls in on him. Isn't it a powerful thought that right when Jesus needed him, just a few miles away awaited a donkey, a colt that had been prophesied centuries before, a colt that figured prominently in the greatest story ever told, a colt that had been placed there by the sovereign finger of God for an hour, a time, a moment, a purpose in God's unprecedented plan. God had that donkey there. And let me, let me just, I got to say this. If he had that donkey there for an hour, a time, a place, and a divine plan, doesn't it go to show that he's got you and me here for such a time as this for an hour, a time, a moment, and a plan? If God can order the steps of a donkey and have him there in just the right time and have a divine purpose for a donkey, where does that leave you and me? His hand is upon us. You are not here by accident. You have been saved in God's time, redeemed in God's time, filled with his spirit in God's time, and you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. And as God had a purpose for this donkey, he surely has a purpose for you. You are not the result of some uncaring, apathetic, cold evolutionary process, but you have been custom designed and made ready for this hour. And I want you to know that you're a child of destiny. Destiny's written all over your face, all over your forehead, destiny's all over your life. It's more than just going to work 9 to 5, coming home, paying the bills, raising the kids, getting your gold watch when you retire and fading into, into oblivion. There is a high purpose for every person here. Now, as the story unfolds, I see a beautiful step-by-step process here. I've never, I never saw this until this week, and I've read this story umpteen times. But I've never saw this until this week. Four verbs, four commands that Jesus spoke jumped out at me when he was talking to the disciples. He turned to them and he said four things. Now, I want you to say them with me because it applies not only to the way that you were saved, but to the way others are going to be touched through you. So say it with me. He said, go, find, loose, and bring. Oh, I like that. Jesus said to the disciples, go into the village opposite you. Find the colt that my heart is set on. Loose him and bring him to me. Now, I want to deal with those four commands because we're going to walk out of here with a picture of what God's got for you and me, how we were saved and how he wants us to reach others. Jesus said, first, go. Can we say go? Isn't that powerful? That's two little letters, go. But what force and power is behind that word? You know, Jesus is all about the word go. That's what Jesus is all about. Jesus was all about going. I've always believed, and I really believe it today, that God blesses moving targets. God blesses people who are going who are reaching out. James said, you say to me that you have faith without works, but I'll say to you, I'll show you my faith by my works. I will show you that I've got the faith of God by the way I'm going, the way I'm reaching out, the way I'm stepping out. Because real Bible faith puts your feet into motion, your life goes into motion, and you become involved in good works and reaching others for Jesus. We all have a go upon our life. It was as the 10 lepers went when Jesus told them to go and show themselves to the priest. And it says, as they went with the divine go on their life, they were healed as they went. The leprosy left them as they went under the command to go. And it was as the 70 went when Jesus said, go into the villages, go into the towns around you and preach the gospel as they went People were healed and demons came out screaming and God moved. And I want you to know, folks, that when we put feet to our faith and we go, that's when the power of God is released. I don't know about you, but I think it's time that the church of Jesus Christ listened to that divine mandate to go. And that we went into all the nation, this entire country, so sick so decrepit, so deceived, and as we go, that's when the miracles are going to break loose. That's when God is going to move. The very first word in the Great Commission that we always talk about is go. Jesus said in Mark sixteen fifteen, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Well, Where does the going begin? The going begins right around you, your neighbor, your family, your friends, your coworkers, But I want everyone here to realize it's not just the preachers that are commanded to go. It's not just the professional minister commanded to go. Every believer has a divine go mandate over our life. Now, I want you to notice that he sent them to a place that requires some effort. Jesus could have called that donkey. He could have called that donkey to come from the other town right to them. How many of you know he could have done that? We know he could have because God said to two of every kind in Noah's day, he, he gave them a divine go and they started traveling and they all came to the ark. By perseverance, even the snail reached the ark. So God could have called the donkey, but he didn't. He wanted the disciples to go. So he told them, he said, go to the village that's opposite you go. I want you to go to that place over here, over there. Go to that place over yonder. Go to that other town. Go where they are. So it took some effort. It took getting out of their lazy boy. It took getting out of their comfort zone. And it took getting up and going. Folks, I'm speaking something over all of us today that it's so easy to get comfortable. It's so easy to forget about those that are all around us but do you know that God said go? And so there are times that he's going to say, go, get out of the lazy boy, get out of your comfort zone, get out of your living room, turn the TV off. And I want you to go and I want you to involve yourself in my work and my plan. (laughs) Go. It would take more time, more perseverance and more effort for them to go to the town opposite them. And listen, it's, it's always that divine go, that divine go takes more out of us than we usually realize the visions and dreams that God places in our own heart require a go that takes effort it takes time it takes perseverance it takes elbow grease it takes effort to go he could have called the donkey he didn't he said to his disciples you go find him you go Ecclesiastes says a dream comes with much business And a dream comes with painful effort. God speaks the go, but then we've got to go and give our strength to it and respond to the grace of God. Go. And it's also true of witnessing to people, witnessing to others in our attempt to win them to Jesus. It doesn't come easily. How many of you have realized that in this day and age, not everybody is thrilled when you bring up Jesus? And sometimes when you bring up Jesus... You get a real look and you get skepticism and you get atheism and you get agnosticism and you realize this isn't going to be easy plowing. This is going to take some time. It's going to take some effort because they are not in my world. Jesus said, go to the town opposite you. And isn't it true that some of the people we're called to reach are very opposite of us. They're not like us. They're not in our world. They don't think like us, look like us, act like us, live like us. And yet Jesus said, go to people opposite you and share me with them. Gone are the days of the silent witness. That's an oxymoron. You can't be silent and witness. We need to go. Everybody say the word go. Go. And sometimes it just takes effort. It takes time. As the village they were sent to was opposite them. The people God sends us to are opposite of us, and and we've got to stay with it sometimes. I had to do this with my own family. When I got saved, man, I was excited. I was cranked. I was ready to go, and I shared Jesus with everything that moved, and I began with my family, none of whom were saved, and here's what I got. I got my dad telling me, Jeff, I just can't conceive of the atonement. I can't comprehend the atonement. He was intellectual. My mother said this, and she might be watching Mother, I'm going to tell the truth. My mother said, Oh, Jeffrey, you go from one extreme to another. First it's drugs, now it's crazy religion. And that was her response to me. But you know what? I realized I'm going to keep on plowing. I'm going to keep, because they're in a world opposite me. This may not happen overnight. Sometimes when you witness to people, you're there to reap the soul, but other times you're there just to sow the seed. And so I sowed the seed and sowed the seed and sowed the seed for years. And one night I was preaching in a church in uh, Dallas. And it was a great big church. And I was preaching the gospel on a Sunday night. And I was just letting it fly like I do. And I gave the invitation there at the end. And all these people started coming down to be saved. And right when I was getting ready, I was at the edge of the stage, just like this. Right when I was getting ready to pray with them, my eyes fell on my mother. And my sister, I forgot my mic was hot. I said, mother, what are you doing here? She said, tears streaming down her face. It was as real as it could be. She said, I came to give my heart to Jesus, Jeffrey. I said, how did you even, I asked her later, how did you even know that I was here? I heard that you were preaching there. And I said, it's my time. She said, God had been touching my heart and dealing with me for a long time. And I knew this was my moment. So the greatest altar call I ever had was there with my mother. But you know what? It took, it took years of plowing and believing and sowing and not getting angry, not getting impatient, though I did sometimes alone in my car. How many of you have ever said, well, I mean, you're tempted sometimes to say, well, go to hell if you want to. I'm sorry. I I mean, sometimes you get put out, right? It's like, if you can't see this right in front of your face, what can I do? You know what? You can't do anything. The power is in the word of God. You just got to keep sowing, keep sowing, keep sowing, keep sowing, keep sowing. So now she's my little prayer warrior. She, she prays for me all the time. I told her about this opportunity that just came along lately to get on more radio stations to go on 430 more radio stations and so she said oh jeffrey that's so great i I still can't believe what god has done with you but i pray for you all the time and i'll pray about those radio stations she sits at home with her little bible she reads it every day she walks with god she's one of our greatest prayer warriors but she used to mock me i'm telling you there is such power in the word of god it's not you that converts anybody, it's that word. We are born again by the incorruptible seed of the word of God. So Jesus said, go. Can we say it again? Go. Then he said, if you go, you're going to find. He said, you will find a cult. Not as any cult, my cult. Not as any cult, but the one that my heart is set on, the one that is chosen, the one that I'm going to use. The one my hand is on, the one I've called, you're going to find my colt, the one that Zachariah saw centuries ago. That's what you're going to find. And catch this, really catch this. This jumped at me this week. I saw this. Not only did Jesus know where he would be found, he knew the condition he'd be found in. He said, you're going to find a colt, my colt, tied up. He's going to be tied up. And when I read that, it hit me between the eyes. What a picture of you and me. Because every one of you are here today because somebody obeyed the command to go. And when they went, they found you. And when they found you, I can tell you this, they found you tied up. They found you bound. You know what hit me? Jesus was telling them, you'll find a colt that has life. But no liberty. And that's the condition of the human race life, but no liberty. Do you know what it's like to get up and and have life? You can see, you can hear, you can function. You you, you go to work, you come home, you have a family, you, you live this way, but you're not free, to not be free, to get up every day and have to yield to things that you don't want to yield to, to be enslaved to things you don't want to be enslaved to. We are living right now in an enslaved nation. It is tied up. Jesus said you're going to find him, but, but he's going to be bound. He's going to be tied. He's not going to be free. He eats, he sleeps, he hears, he sees, but he's, he's not free. And some of you might be in that very condition today. You're in church, but truth be known, you wake up every day and, and you're alive, but you're not free. You're alive, but you don't have liberty. You're alive, but you're serving things you don't want to serve, doing things you don't want to do, going places you don't want to go, thinking things you don't want to think. Something's got you that's bigger than you, but what I came to preach today is I know somebody bigger than what's got you. Bigger than what's got you. Just like this donkey had a divine purpose foretold by the prophets, we too have a destiny prepared long ago by God. Listen to the Bible, for we are God's own handiwork his workmanship, recreated in Christ Jesus, born again, that we may, watch this, do those good works which God planned ahead of time for us. Let me tell you something mind-blowing about God. Before God flung the stars into space, as the poet wrote, spat out the oceans And created everything we see here, taste, touch, and smell. God saw you and ordained that you would be involved in the plan of redemption. Let me take it further. He didn't just save you for heaven. Heaven is the cherry on top of the sundae. Heaven is the chocolate on the ice cream. Serving in the plan of redemption is what we get to do in the here and now. This little donkey, listen, do you think that he ever stopped to think? Of course he didn't, but I'm drawing an illustration. Can you imagine this little donkey? He's just sitting there. He has no idea. I'm about to play a part in the greatest story ever told. I'm about to be the one. Jesus rides into a city. I get to play a part in an unprecedented, one-time-only move and act of God. Who would have thunk it, he would say, if he could think? And when Jesus finds us, our condition is always found to be bound. It's always found to be bound, tied up, alive but not free, until we meet Jesus. I want you to listen to the description of the way we were before we were saved. And if you're not saved today... And I'm going to give you an opportunity to come to Christ at the end of this message. But here's the way we were, those that are saved. And here's a description of the way you are if you're not saved. You used to live in sin, writes Paul, just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil. Did you hear that? Obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. Notice, there is no fence. You're either obeying the devil or you're yoked to Jesus. That's why Jesus said, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. For you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. When you're yoked to something, folks, you're not your own. You go where whoever yoked you takes you. You are no longer your own, but guess what? Being yoked to Jesus is the road to freedom and being a servant of the devil is the road to slavery. And he said, you're either in one or the other. You used to live in sin like the rest of the world obeying the devil. So before we were saved, we were bound up, tied up, chained up, fettered up, hopeless up until we heard about him. So Jesus sent the disciples. He said, go, and when you go, you will find a little colt with a big call who would be found but also bound. Then Jesus told them to do what he does best. I love this, and I want you to say it with me. Jesus said, when you find him, loose him. Can we say it together? Loose him. Now, not everybody can lo- loose somebody. Listen, say this with me. Loose people. Loose people. Loose people. Free people, free people. See, you can't give what you don't have. But if you have been set free, you can set others free. Now, notice they said, I want you to go, and when you find this colt, before he can be used of me, he's going to have to be loosed. Now, the word that Jesus used, I'm going to give you a Greek word. You can go out and say you learned a little bit of Greek today. But the word he uses is so powerful, i got to say it. He, he said, Loosate. Lusate, it comes from the verb luo. It's the first word you learn in Greek 101, luo, and it's so strong. You know how strong it is? It means way more than just to untie someone. Lusate means, it it, it describes releasing somebody from prison, or even stronger than that, shattering the yoke that binds them. See, Jesus doesn't just untie us; He destroys the yoke that binds us. He wrecks the yoke that binds us. He destroys the works of the devil. I mean, Jesus, Jesus said, "I want you to go." We could rephrase the verse like this: Release the colt that binds. Release the, the the colt from what binds him. Release the colt from what binds him. I'm so glad that he said, "Release Jeff from what binds him. Release Susan from what binds her." Release Jonathan from what binds him. Release Scott from what binds him. Release Mary from what binds her. When Jesus comes into our life, he brings a word over our life, and it is decreed in heaven. He says, Loose them and let them go free. Shatter their fetters. Break their chains. Destroy what has destroyed them. Amen. That's why Jesus said, You will know the truth, and it will make you free. Jesus said, if the Son liberates you, then you are really an unquestionably free. He breaks the yoke. He snaps the chains. He destroys the fetters. He sets us free. I'm so glad that Jesus one day spoke to a man many, many years ago when I was 16 years old and sitting in the juvenile detention center for sale of narcotics. And I thought my life was over and I'd never heard the gospel and I didn't know God and I was without God and without hope in this world. And a man came and shared Jesus with us. And I'm so glad that he heard the word go and he went. And he found, he found me. And when he found me and I prayed with him and received Jesus into my life, then the first word Jesus spoke over me was loose him and let him go free. Because I used to look out the window in the prison. I used to look out the window of the jail and say, why am I doing these things? What's wrong with me? Why can't I stop? What has me? What force is driving me? I didn't know, but he knew. And Jesus said, if you're going to be set free, somebody stronger than the strong man is going to have to come and set you free. And there's only one who is stronger than the strong man. And it's not Buddha, and it's not Muhammad, and it's not hugging a tree, and it's not willpower. His name is Jesus. He's the strong man. And he's the strong man who sets us free. <clears throat> now I notice that at this point I just want to bring this out this, this really hit me there is a protest that happened when they arrived to set the colt free and Jesus anticipated it. He said if anybody says to you what are you doing you tell them the Lord has need of him. So sure enough they're setting the colt free they're loosing him and here comes the owner and the owner says what do you think you're doing who do you think you are setting the colt free that's not yours. And they answered, and they said, the Lord has need of him. Now, I want to tell you, there is something that I like to call Satan's last stand. Satan's last stand. It happens when you see somebody just about to be saved, or they just got saved. And the enemy kicks up dust and kicks up trouble. You remember What happened when the Gadarene demoniac was confronted with Jesus Christ and he fell on his knees and the demons spoke out of him and the demons cried, what have I to do with you, Jesus, son of the most high God? Have you come to torment us before the day? What were they doing? The devil was saying, what do you think you're doing, loosing my coat? And you know what Jesus said? Shut up and get into the pigs where you belong. And you know what God says over you and me? He says, I have need of you. See, he didn't save us just so we could go to heaven one day. But catch this. Here's my picture. He saved us so that he could use us to carry his reality, to carry his life, to carry his truth, to carry his name into the city, high and lifted up. We are the salt of the earth. We are the light of the world. And Jesus called us and saved us and loosed us to use us. Amen. That's why I love Celebrate Recovery. Celebrate Recovery we have every Tuesday night they meet. And I can't tell you how it blesses me. I usually hang around Tuesday night uh, lately for sure. Last few weeks I have. And I've been to most of the graduations. And, and when Celebrate Recovery meets, here's a bunch of people who were bound by the devil, bound by alcohol, bound by drugs, bound by some something that was taking them down and chaining them and fettering them up and, and, and keeping them where they could not be all. They were called to be in God. And I see them saying, that's it. And I see Jesus speaking over them, be loosed and be set free. And I hear testimonies galore. How how many times have I left this building and called Kathy and said, one of the reasons this church is here is celebrate recovery. Because people get set free. Now I want you to notice something. This donkey, this colt was not set free just to go do his own thing. He didn't say to the disciples, go and untie him and then just shoe him on and let him go do whatever he wants. No, Jesus said, Jesus said, loose him and bring him to me. Bring him to me. Why? Because he was freed to serve. He was freed to serve the Lord. And I notice here that The disciples, Jesus' disciples, took off their coats and put them over the donkey. Notice, they invested something of themselves in the development of this colt for the use of Christ. You know what they were doing? Throwing their clothes over him to make a saddle for the Lord to sit on. Now, if I want to really stretch this metaphor, let me tell you what turning point is all about. We could say the disciples first found him then loosed him, then brought him to the Lord, and then they played a key part in preparing the colt for Jesus to use him. Why are we here? We're here because he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, and some teachers for the equipping of the saints to do the work of God. See, we're looking for you, we're seeking you, and we're going to find you when we find you, we're going to loose you in the name of Jesus, but then we're going to make your life where Jesus can sit upon you and use you to carry him into the lives of others. What a beautiful picture. You know what I mean when I say now? Isn't it good to be God's donkey? This little cult was set free to serve. That's why he was set free, to serve. Now, can you just imagine the scene? this little coat, the coat that had formerly been enslaved. He was unknown. He had no transcendent purpose, no transcendent meaning in his life. Now finds himself in the epicenter of the move of God. Jesus was the move of God. Jesus is what was happening on planet earth in that day. He's in the epicenter of the greatest story ever told. He's allowed of God to carry his only begotten son into the city of Jerusalem, high and lifted up where all the hosannas were coming. Now what if he had stopped? What if he had thought, man, all this is about me. I am some donkey. And that's what happens to some people they get used of God. If you're not careful, you get used of God. You say, man, I'm really something. No, 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 no. It's who's upon you. It's who is upon you. And so all these hosannas and Jesus entered the city and the whole city became aware of him because this donkey was sought, was loosed, was prepared, and he carried Jesus in. You know what I see when I look out at you and me and all of us together? I see God's cult, and he wants to sit upon us. He wants to rest upon us. He wants to be upon us, and he wants us to carry him to a dying world. And we're going to do it. Can we stand together today? I want you to say with me together, go, go find, find, loose, loose bring. bring. In just a few weeks, we're at Easter. Can you believe that? Now, there's no other time in the year when more people are going to come to church than Easter. You know what I want to encourage you to do? I preach this on purpose. For I, I admit to you I have an ulterior motive. Because we're all, most of us in here, saved. I'm preaching to the choir. But you know what the word of God is? Over every one of us, go, find, loose, bring. GFLB. Go, find, loose, bring. How many of you know somebody that you suspect are not saved? All right? GFLB. Maybe we ought to do a bumper sticker, GFLB. Go, find, loose, bring. You have in you the ability as a freed person to free people in the name of the Lord. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for that divine command to go and to find, just like you, to seek and to save what was lost. To loose them in the name of Jesus. Bring them to you for your divine purpose. Thank you, Lord, that I'm looking at a congregation full of called people. Called to make you known wherever they are in their world. Lord, we pray for so many people in this city that are tied up bound, alive but not free. We pray that you will touch them. Now lift your hand and I want to pray that God will anoint you to go and to find. Now Lord, I thank you for this congregation. Thank you for all the people we see saved regularly. But Lord, we pray that that will only increase, that we will never forget GFLB. We will never forget. We're called to go, find, loose, and bring. We will never forget it. Now pray with me, church, and say, Lord, use me to carry you into someone's life. Now with our heads bowed for a moment of prayer, I want to ask if there's anyone here today I want you to forget about everybody in this room I'm not talking to them I'm talking straight to you straight to you listen carefully to me I care about you, I love you he loves you more than I ever could I'm talking to you when you lay your head down on the pillow at night and you're alone with your thoughts sometimes you wonder have I really been set free by Jesus is he really in my life like he should be You can leave today knowing that that question is answered. Why would you get into a car and get on the highway and go with that question remaining in your heart? I want you to know today that God loves you, and this message, though it was for everybody, it was just for you because He wants to untie you. He wants to loose you. Aren't you tired of being bound up? Aren't you tired of it? Only He can set you free indeed. And perhaps you're here today and you say, Jeff, I used to walk with the Lord, but I've drifted. And you preaching this message and you even giving this altar call is only a confirmation of what I already know. God is calling me to return home while I can, while the time is good. And this is the hour, this is the day, this is the moment for you. So if you're in either one of those categories... Would you let me pray with you? Can we settle it today? With your heads bowed, you can say, Jeff, that's me. I need to come back to him or I want to come to him and settle the question. Raise your hand. Raise it quickly, just high, and don't be ashamed of the Lord. I see you. God bless you. Raise it high. God bless you. I see you. You know, I want to do something. I'm going to ask you if your hand is raised. I want you to slip out from where you are. You say, oh, Jeff, why do I have to do that? I did that in juvenile home in front of a bunch of juvenile delinquents that were mocking me. But if Jesus walked up Golgotha's hill naked and bleeding, we can come down to receive prayer. And it's a way of activating your faith. So I'm going to ask you if you lifted your hands. I want you to come out. Just tell your feet to start to walk and come right now. I want to pray for you down here. I want to believe God to touch you down here. So you come on, and we're going to wait. And I want to do one last thing. I know that we have some people today who are battling a a physical issue, who are even going in for operations this week, and I want to pray for you before you go. If that's you, I want you to slip out and come, and I want to pray for your healing, and I want to pray that that operation goes well. You come right now, because I know there's several in our church, and that. Position, and I want to send you with the blessing of God. So, we're just going to have healing across the board today. So, if you need prayer, you come. If you're coming to Jesus, come right now. We're going to sing just one stanza, and then we're